Welcome to the Lisa Show Book Club. We're excited to have you. And joining me today is Whitney. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Lisa. This is section six. We are almost wrapping it up. We have one more section. If you haven't had a chance to go back, please go back and watch the um, previous sections, one through six. Um, We've really had a great discussion on Alone Together by Sherry Turkle uh, for our book club. Um, Today, in section six, we are talking about chapters 12 and 13. And really, I feel like these themes are talking about confessions on the internet (laughs) and how it affects loneliness. And so, I mean, let's just dive into that right now. Right. You know, I always talk about... um, with this book, when people are like, oh, why did you choose, you know, Alone Together, you know, of all the books about everything, this was published um, or reprinted in 2017. Mm -hmm. You know how fast technology changes. It it almost becomes, you know, out of date as soon as it's printed. But the thing that I like about this book really is, um, comes in clear focus, I think, in these two chapters, which is it's taking a step back and walking us through where we've been and where we're headed, and just asks the question, is this what it means to be human? Yes. Is this what we want? This is ha- what's what we thought would happen. This is why we created this technology, you know, whether it's robots, the internet, and everything in between. Right. This is what, what I'm seeing when I talk to hundreds of people of different ages. Is this what we want? Right. And one thing that I found that's so interesting and fascinating is is that we are all very, very lonely. Yes. <laughs> and apparently, we want to confess things that we wouldn't even confess to our therapist, our best friend, our most intimate partner, and 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 it and it serves us in some way. Were you surprised by the confessional aspect of technology? Well, here's a funny thing, Lisa. So this post secret, I actually read those books. I, oh, yeah. Because they had websites, and then they actually made books about them. And when I was, I think, in college, I had just, like, found a book in a library, and I thought, this is fascinating. So I got way into reading these secrets. So when I started reading through this, I was like, oh, I was 100% involved in this culture, not as a contributor, but I ate it up. I loved seeing people, like, put these things out there. And now reading back on it, I kind of also feel like I'm I'm looking over, like— Yes, you worked through some things, Whitney. This is why you liked like looking into that. And this is like why you're better off now where you're at, where you're not involved in that confession Isn't site. It's, it's so easy to get caught up at. And even the author, Sherry, says, I started reading and reading it. And after about six months, I took a step back and I felt horrible because she felt a responsibility. Like, yeah, this is a cry for help. Now I'm like, like, shouldn't we be worried if somebody is confessing that they, like, have this strong urge to shake their baby or something? Like, right, Like, right. sometimes it crosses a line where you're like, uh, uh, this is beyond voyeurism, and shouldn't we do something to help? And she felt a responsibility. Um, so what? what is that all about? Right? <laughs> right? Right? It's definitely, um, it's unsettling. And I think that, like, the thing that I love about Sherry's whole, like, perspective in this book is it's not about technology, like what you're saying. Yeah. It is about how what are we needing as humans? What are we asking it? What are we asking? And then what do we think we're getting from it, which in reality we are not, yeah. right? And it doesn't I think, always line up. We, yeah. think, we, we think, oh, I need help, but you're not getting any help. Or not. maybe I just need to vent, Right. And, and and then maybe yes, I'm getting that. But it's not a it's not fixing everything that we're all 
putting out. Right. And like you said, like, into, if, if that's post-secrets, right? Right. But lots of people confess anonymously, group member, on mm-hmm. different Facebook groups, on Instagram, Snapchat, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so this is still a part of technology that I think we didn't anticipate. Yes. I don't think most of us anticipated. And... um and it's important to remember, and I like what Sherry says, relationships we compare about nevertheless keep us connected to life. Advertising exerts a deadly tyranny. People reach to strangers in kindness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Loneliness is so great that marriage is sometime, someone we have only met on a website can seem like our best hope. Yeah. Yeah, right? That made me think of it in a different way. It definitely, it's this kind of insidious imposter, right? Like we are all seeking for um, like oxytocin. Our brain loves oxytocin. And you can really only get oxytocin like, you know, when you, when you're like you've had a baby or when you're hugging someone or like that really only comes from those uh, like genuine interactions with other people. And I think instead, uh, we're like going for the next best thing, which isn't giving us what we need. And so whether it is validation, whether it is uh, like a sense of, of, of I don't know, like sanctification or something where it's like, yeah. I need to feel better about this thing that I've done, but it requires absolutely no vulnerability. It We yeah, think there, it does. We think it does. But when we're in the privacy of our own phone, our own computer, whatever, it is really actually just, I think this, um, I don't know, it's almost like we're, we're self-aggrandizing ourselves for being vulnerable, but we didn't have to look anyone in the eyes. Yeah, we didn't have to address the person we were actually wronging or the person we actually wanted forgiveness from or, or wanted to forgive, right? Because we don't like that. And historically, we as humans have never liked that, right? It's never been So we think we've easy. solved the problem. We think so, but we're not getting that oxytocin when we do this thing. We're getting like, maybe we're getting dopamine and maybe, you know, we're getting mm-hmm. these like, I'm getting physiological here because it's actually been proven that like our brain is needing this kind of um, relief from these uncomfortable feelings and we don't like it. And so we go, we think, well, maybe I can do it here. It's like when you're working out and your body automatically tries to make it easier. Yeah. And then you have like the person on the TV or the trainer that's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't hunch your shoulders. That just makes it easy. So what you need to do is, and then all of a sudden it's harder again. And you're like, I don't like this, but it's making your muscles stronger, right? I think that's kind of what our, oh, our brains are doing. Yeah. Where it's like, well, I, I found this website. I found these people who will listen to me. I or, have this horrible secret. Right. I don't really want to ask for an apology. Right. Because that's so uncomfortable. But I'll just put it on here. Yeah. Like, but I've done something. Our emotional muscles are not getting strengthened by this because it's an imposter. Because it's not the real thing. It's so fascinating because people are lonely, and I think everyone will agree on that, Mm -hmm. and yet we're more connected than ever. Connected, right? And and, I mean, this is the whole point of the book, right? Alone Together. And in these uh, chapters, I was so struck, like, how how much you miss Mm -hmm. on technology, how we're not perfect at it yet, that there isn't a substitution for face-to-face. Like, even tone and texting and things like that, like— is someone being sarcastic right. or not? You can't tell. Even with the people you're closest to. Even there's emojis and stuff, and I'll be yep. like, are they making fun of me or is there, are they making a joke? <laughs> I, and I feel like I have a pretty good sense of humor. Right, right. And sometimes I can't tell. Yeah. And it has changed so much in our communication. And so I feel like it's hard. Older people say, 
Sherry says that things like, like they'll put online, like things that I want, but I don't have, mm. right? Like that's mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. Us, we're older people, sorry. <laughs> but then younger people, they say, well, they they use it on their own terms. It's all new. Yeah. So it's almost like the Wild West that we can't even see. They, I don't even think that they know what emotional bids they're asking for no. when they go on. They seem to take it, according to Sherry, like less seriously mm-hmm. than we do. But I think it's just because they don't have enough life experience to know what they really want because they're still forming their identities. Sure. Or or context, right? Like, Oh, yeah. There's, there's not even a, a life they can uh, experience without it. Like even I got a smartphone in college, mm-hmm. right? But I like had this whole before college, I had like, yeah. you know, 20 years of experience where I had no connection to like, I, I guess MySpace was kind of a thing. But, you know, essentially it was different, right? I had to go to a computer. I had to, like, make time for connecting to people online. So fascinating, yeah. But, like, I had some experience. Mm-hmm. I definitely, like, I, I don't feel like I had as much uh, me time as probably previous generations. But I I now I'm seeing, like, less and less of that me time because you have people who are born into it, who are born knowing that they can talk to their friends without ever having to see them. Mm-hmm. And that just is immediately a truth that they accept because it's it's something that they were born into. So it's like there's not even something they can compare to like, wow, do you remember when, you know, we used to have to yeah. go to our friend's house to ask them something or when we used to, you know, there's just you don't ever have to do that. So why would that seem a reality? And, yeah, the genie's out of the bottle kind of yeah. thing. Of like there's no like, oh, well, then we need to restrict time or not get – can we it, go back? Can we? Well, and it's interesting that when she's interviewed so many teenagers who are sort of wistful for this life that they've never experienced, they feel the anxiety and the pressure of it. Sure. And and especially like the, the idea of these confessions, these confessionals yeah. online. Um, I mean, and I understand it to a certain extent. I'm on some like grief, like websites and things like that. And I'm amazed and without judgment, honestly, about what people will disclose online that I know that they're mm. not talking to, like, their closest friends about because yeah. they think, well, they don't understand, but this group does. Yep. And I understand that. It's almost like a, an AA going to an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. But but when you go to an AA meeting, what you say stays in there, and you don't— and it's something—I don't know. In my mind, there's something different about it online because yeah. there's, like, a record of it. It's almost like people who pick their nose in their car— like, <laughs> yeah. Like when you're in your car, you have no sense of like, oh, other people can see me. I'm in a public space. Right. Because you are in a pod, right? You're essentially yeah. in your own little world. It's like it doesn't even come across yeah. in their minds, right? Yeah. And so t- to that same extent, I think when we do uh, any sort of, you mm-hmm. know, socializing through the internet, yeah. it's like you don't even, it's this total division between the rest yeah. of the world. <laughs> I love what she says. Like conversations with a robot, online confession appeals because someone silent wants to speak. Mm-hmm. But if we use these sites to relieve our anxieties by getting them out there, we are not necessarily close to understanding what stands behind them. It gives us this false illusion that we are doing that. And so this is the question that I'm dying to ask you because— um, I've never thought of it this way before, but am I my avatar's keeper? <laughs> you know, you, somebody is talking online or there's another avatar or whatever. You know, just like uh, as a Christian woman, mm-hmm. I am my brother's keeper, and mm-hmm. I take that very seriously, right? right? And I'm looking out for that. I 
don't know if I'm fully conscious and aware online if I might have a Taurus keeper. I don't even know what that means. What does it mean? Because essentially here, and she brings this up too, about the more that she got into these confessional sites, the more that she started finding herself being like, well, is that true? Yeah. Like are people heightening their Right. And maybe that's because I maybe have been more like submerged in this throughout like my young adult and adult life. I am very aware of how people um, sometimes present themselves online versus how they present themselves in real life. And I guess that gives me a skepticism that then maybe um, distances me from any sort of like, am I my avatar's keeper from even having to ask that question? Because then to me, I think this person needs help and I am not the person to give them that help. I'm not even close. Right. And, And I think they're... She, she even mentions here on uh, 235, I just said, like, here, empathy gets shut off because she yes, said the online setting increases the number of people to whom one applies for a caring response, but it also opens up to the cruelty of strangers. Like, it's just, it there's, it's so much saturation that you just sort of get desensitized to someone's pain, and that either turns you into, like, Look, I got like I don't really know what this is, but it's not my not my circus, not my monkeys. Or yeah. it can like turn into like actual cruelty, right? Where it's like you're projecting and you don't realize you're projecting. It just seems like the answer to all of this is that we have things we're not addressing. Yes. Emotionally, mentally, physically in our lives that every one of us needs to look into. Because the internet is not your therapist. No. (laughs) In fact, she says a good therapy or good therapist helps you develop a sense of irony about your life Mm -hmm. so that when you start to repeat old and unhelpful patterns, Mm -hmm. something within you says, oh, there you go again. Let's call this to a halt. Like, let's do it. But we all have that friend on the internet or stranger on the internet where we're like, oh, there they go again. We become numb to it. Like, they're oversharing. Yeah. Like, they need to, like, get some help or do something— but what do we do about it? Like, and that affects our society. It does, it does have a big effect of because they're they're bidding for some, at, literally at an inanimate object, right? Hoping right. that someone who is real will answer the need that they are not emotionally equipped to ask for. Yes, exactly. It's and it's a problem. It's not helping, but it it gives the illusion that it is right. Because because who of us? actually thinks, oh, if I respond personally to this person and try to, like, be there for them, their life's going to turn around. Right. Like, what? there's no sense Unless of responsibility you have a there. real connection. You're like, right. oh, that's exactly. my son, or that's right. my friend, or I need to call them. I need right. to get into touch. Well, do you remember, like, the, the Leave Britney Alone guy, right? Like, that, that became an internet thing because we were all like, whoa. So like, for those who don't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. he I mean, he essentially was going through like, you know, Britney Spears' whole uh, like mental state and how she's kind of been oppressed by her dad and then by society and all Leave these things. Alone. Leave her alone. Like she just needs help. But he was so invested in it. So And he just had this, like, selfie of him just crying, like, heaving things that you think only should happen in, like, very private settings. Yeah. And it went out to the world. And now we have all sorts of videos like that on everyone's Instagram stories. Like, you can take, like, a screenshot of someone crying and you're like, oh, they were were sending a story. Like, they, they made a story and it got too personal on Instagram. But it's like the fact that we've been able to kind of just compartmentalize those— it's yeah. it just I think is is maybe also 
because I, I, maybe I'm running from the shame that I have that I'm not doing more about it. But I think I also have the sense of like, look, I think my body can tell that this isn't, this isn't the right place for this. And so I'm sort of minimizing it because I'm saying, mm-mm, mm-mm, that person needs to go somewhere else. So I'm not going to feed yeah. into this community. Uh-huh. I'm not going to keep encouraging this person to keep reaching out here because that person needs to go somewhere else. But see, you're talking about relationships and ways to manage it that no one in human history has ever had to consider before. And that is what is crazy to me. Because I'm hearing you and I'm absolutely identifying with everything you're saying. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I do too. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering when I, I think because I saw it in print, because I read it in a book (laughs) alone together, (gasps) that I saw it in a different way where I was thinking, but is this good? Is this the direction where we want want it to help us define what it is to be human Mm -hmm. and what it is to be our neighbor's keeper? Sure, sure. And and, um, really closely connected to this is this, that anxiety is now a part of connectivity in a way, yeah. generationally, that we've never had before. It used to be that we would associate connectivity with, oh, just a richness of, like, and relaxing, I think, feelings and right. good. And 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 now it is associated with anxiety. And again, and Sherry in this book says that, like, you think about it, like, how many things that I read online that have a link, a hyperlink, yep. and then I'm like, oh, and I need to go here. It's not just, like, never footnotes. Ending. It's never, like— just read this article or mm-hmm. just read that everything is disconnected like that mm-hmm. and you think you're getting more information but at what cost right and how is it changing our relationships right um and also and I wanted to ask you about this the idea that stalking is a transgression that does not transgress <laughs> what do you think about that honey I had Facebook in college when it was like the hype for young adults to have Facebook like no it just like didn't like, it it just was a—it was part of the vocabulary. Like, stalking, you know, and you immediately knew, like, yeah, I stalked them. It—because it's like, if you're going to put your stuff out there, then you got to be okay with the fact that people can come up and find it. Now, I have been in other situations, like, um, I found one of my wedding pictures on an article of, like, you know, uh, like, members of my faith who— like are more well known and like their marriages. It was like something about like all these couples that you're like, did you know they were married in our faith? And um, I saw a wedding picture of my husband and I that is not a public picture. It was from my Facebook. And I was like, how the heck did this article get this picture? But you know what? I had, I only thought about it for like, you know, two minutes maybe where I was like, that's not cool. But then again, I was like, it is on the internet. I already have made peace with the fact that any of my photos that are out there could be seen by anyone. And so while there was that kind of like, ooh, like my privacy has been invaded, it was like, by whom? Because yeah. there's already like literally thousands of people who could see it right now because I just put it up there. It's so interesting that you bring this up because the idea of privacy is something that we talk about in earlier chapters about how without privacy or the assumption of privacy, you can't have real intimacy. Mm. And it's this idea of like, there are different schools of thought, right? And she yeah. talks about this in in, in these um, chapters that there, because there's um, all of this data everywhere, it 
we kind of don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, well, it's already out there. What am I going to do? Yeah. And younger people especially. But we may be giving away a cost that has bigger implications than we thought for democracy, for our livelihoods, for intimacy, for our relationships. I love this. It's like persistence of data, she says. There is, too, the persistence of people, the anxiety of always um, having yourself being challenged and the data. We think we're alone online and it's private. Like when we make these confessions, it's not. Nothing is. But then she says privacy is politics, embarrassing or foreign behavior where where we've all been observed all the time anyway, so who needs privacy has become commonplace. But this idea comes at a cost. She says information will always be free, we think. If you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. Mm -hmm. You know, we say these things, but at citizenry that will watch itself— Mm-hmm. Like, are we watching each other? A disciplined citizen minds the rules. The architecture encourages self-surveillance. But privacy is just the way we just throw it around. Right. I wonder if we're ever going to get to a place where we think, no, this is just, it's too much. Right. Like, right. we've lost it. Or if, if um, I wonder if this is a, a problem that we think technology will take care of. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. And I, I feel like it's one of those um it's one of those issues that um technology isn't creating. It's just giving us another avenue to um I guess continue the problem. Because oh, I think yeah. oh you know, it's it's really just this idea of now we have new ways of dealing with the fact that uh we're we're in, we're interested in each other and we don't, yeah. you know, that, that like, cause before it was the nosy neighbor and gossip. Totally. And now we're you know, all the nosy neighbor. We all are the nosy neighbor. Cause guess what? We all kind of are interested in each other and we're not always going to say to the person, like, do you want to hear what's going on in my life? Yeah. And so we kind of want to be flies on the wall. But what did you think about the teenager who said that they wanted to make sure that their phone call was private, so they used a pay phone? I know. That, uh, that blew, blew my mind. My mind. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, everyone's watching and surveilling all the time, and I had to make, like, a sensitive phone call, so I used a pay phone. And I was like, and we've come full circle. Okay, is, well, then nothing means anything. It is creepy. It does have this very, like, big brother sense. The thing is, I think because we don't necessarily see like the repercussions yet. Yeah. Privacy for me is still, I, I've got to admit, I don't quite get it yet because I was steeped in this for so long of like terms I of agreement. I think outsmarted me. Gmail, like all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, I've kind of known for a while now that people can read my emails and that people can listen to me through my Echo device and all of these different things. Mm. I don't I like know, it. I know. It and when things show up too. on my phone, it's like, I was just talking about this and now I have an ad. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it's kind of creepy, but I don't think we even, like, I don't know, unless someone were to show me, like, here's how much money you've spent because these ads were targeted oh, to you because they were listening so to you. So more information might change your mind. Might change it. Or like even just seeing like, where's this thread going? Because I am kind of, I think I'm in the water, so I don't see what the problem is. And I think I might be part of it. But I, <laughs> I'm just like, privacy. Okay, Um, I guess I, I don't really care if my stuff is that private because I don't know. I like, don't have anything to hide. I don't have anything to hide. But, but yet we all do but what I not think, bad, but I'm right. just saying that the, this idea that some that we reserve some things yes. for just real life. Do you think that's intimacy? Gone? What you're saying, yeah. Do you think that's gone? I think a lot of that 
is gone for so many reasons, right? Like because we're okay with our privacy being invaded and because we're okay with our intimacy being invaded by our, you know, our now not private connections, right? The fact that we have a phone on our table whenever we're going to have dinner or things like that. Like what, you know, it's, it's why we expect more from technology and less from people. Like I, it's, it's creeping in from so many different ways. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think it all comes back to, I think it's manifesting the same problems that we've had over and over for, you know, millennia as human beings, loneliness, things Mm -hmm. like that. It's just now we're, we're seeing it manifest in ways that are seeming to just overtake us. Yeah. But like looking at, you know, she says here in 236, with such displacement of feeling, it's not surprising that the online world comes fraught with emotion. And I just think like people think on these confessional sites or on social media, when they're talking to someone, they think that they are getting something out or that they are resolving something. When in reality, it's, uh, it's, these feelings are still stuck. Yeah. And that's something we've always had a problem with. Our feelings get stuck in us. So where do they go and how can we get them out? I think that's the question humans will always need to answer, whether it's through technology or not. Very well said. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, it, it's going to let, it's going to leave me thinking for a long time of like, what expectations do I have for technology? Are they unrealistic or not? Mm-hmm. And do I really want technology to take care of some of these problems that I think I do? Right. Because I think if I really thought about it, I don't. And we do, our choices do affect our society and, and we can change it. We can Reroute. We can, because can, you know what? <laughs> it, We've been working on ourselves forever. So if we keep doing that, then I think that can also have a, a communal effect. I do too. Oh, such a great discussion. Always with you, Whitney. Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for joining the Lisa Shows Book Club. We have been discussing uh, part six, taking on chapters 12 and 13. Join us next week for our last um, section section seven, where we'll be talking about chapter 14 and the conclusion and the epilogue um, and really be talking about nostalgia and tech. We'll really be looking at the entire themes of the book. You won't want to miss it. Thanks again. 